Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. We're back live with more of the Parkins Playoff Show with your host, Danny Parkins. Live on the Odyssey app and 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. More experience, more reps. We know the team we're playing. We've played them a bunch, and so I'm sure they're going to have some wrinkles off of things that, that they've shown us in the past, whether it was last game or you know the playoffs last year, because they know that they're going to be studying that all, all three of these games just like we are. So you know we're going to have to be ready for anything. That's Joe Burrow on how this time might be different than the previous three times that the Bengals and Chiefs have faced each other of course a rematch of last year's afc championship game good morning thank you for hanging out it is the parkins playoff show where i get up with you and talk nfl playoff football sometimes related to the bears sometimes we just talk about the teams that are playing and uh i talk to my friends so we go out to the circuit resort and casino hotline circuit resort and casino in las vegas home of the world's largest sports book he hosts nationally. He hosts afternoons on 610 Sports Radio in Kansas City. We used to host a show together for a number of years in Kansas City. He talks to Pat Mahomes every week. He is my good friend. He is Carrington Harrison. He is back on the score. Good morning, CDOT. Park Park was good, man. How you doing? I'm doing, you know, it's, it's got to be a big game if your boy's getting up early and working on the weekends. You know that. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually a little bit surprised from a programming decision why the, why the city that has the number one pick is doing a playoff show. It seems like everybody could have just stayed in and slept. You guys could be talking about, you know, Bryce Young or trading Justin Fields. It seems like there's other topics than playoff football because you guys don't know very much about it. We just want to live vicariously through through you guys. That's that's really it. You know what, that actually, you know what, that makes a lot of sense, you know? Yeah, of course. Are, how, how concerned uh, should Chiefs fans be that Drake bet a million dollars on the Chiefs? Well, you know, as, as you know, you know, you're still tapped into Kansas City Twitter. Charles is going to be at the game. So I don't know if there's anything that could maybe override the curse of, of bad luck Chuck. Oh, man. Okay. I, I, do you even want to explain that story, please? So, I mean, you know the story, Danny. So, you know, one of my good friends, Charles, he is a jinx. Everybody knows that he is a jinx. So, or a couple years ago, whenever the Chiefs were down 24 to nothing in the divisional round against Houston, Charles left the game in the first quarter. And then the Chiefs came back and then won by 20 points. It became and he live-streamed it. He he live-streamed his exit from the stadium. Yeah, so it became this, you know, big, big viral thing. So, he actually went to his first playoff game last week, and we saw what happened with Patrick Mahomes' ankle. So I still think that he is a jinx, but he is insistent that the, that the playoff curse has now been removed from his spirit. So he plans on being at the AFC Championship game. I think it's kind of playing with fate here. I mean, you should know about curses. You're the Parkins pick of death. You, yeah. should, know that you, can't, that you should know you can't test fate 
but he he's going. Drake is go, betting on him. You're picking the Chiefs. It's a lot going on, man. Well, so hold on. I actually I I, pick, I picked the Bengals on your show earlier in the week, and now I gotta be honest. I'm equivocating. I don't know. This is such like I I know how I feel about the NFC Championship game. I think that the public has swung too far to the Eagles. I think the Niners will be able to run on them. And admittedly, I'm just going to hold on to my Niners' future and not really take a position in the game. I know I love the under in the AFC Championship game at 48 and a half. But I don't know how healthy Mahomes is or isn't. Part of me wants to watch the first five minutes of the game and then just live bet it, even if I get a slightly worse price. I feel like the information we're going to get on the first Chiefs possession is going to just be so massive for the rest of the, the, the football game. Do you have conviction on who is going to win or lose that game? You know what, Danny, let me give you credit here because what you just said is one of the smartest things I've ever heard you say. I Thank think you. this is a situation that you got to see the first 15 plays. I think that Andy is going to come out with the game script, those first 15 plays. I know what Patrick can do well. I know what he can't do well. Let's highlight those things, and then we get an idea plays you know 16 through 50 of what Mahomes limitations if he has any at all so I actually think that's the right play I think the right play is if if, if you're on the fence and it sounds like you're a little bit on the fence you don't feel you know strongly convicted about this I think you wait you know mid first quarter and then you place that wager I dude I just want to see I feel like I could do it off one play like like if I just want to see if when Pat Mahomes takes a snap and has to sprint in the direction of a handoff, does he limp? Like, I, 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 or on the first throw, does he airmail it? Or is he able to really, you know, push off on, on that foot? I just, I just want to see, does he look like Pat Mahomes or does he look like a lesser version of Pat Mahomes and then that's really all the information I want. People are like, oh, well, that's a weird way to gamble on the game, or you know, he could, the adrenaline could wear off. All, all, all of that's true, but there are so few players that like singularly have that type of impact. But I feel like over the course of sixty minutes, Pat Mahomes to Chad Henney is that type of player. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I would probably want to see a little bit more. Right now, we're kind of arguing the difference between you know five minutes or ten minutes in this. Yeah. To me, to me, the, the real test in this game is going to be, it is cold today in Kansas City. They said, like, outside it feels like it's negative one degree. It is cold today in Kansas City. I do want to see what that ankle looks like over time. And you and I both know at some point you get hit playing football. Like, Mahomes hasn't been hit in a week. So, all the treatment, all the therapy, everything that you have done is great. It's now got to hold up for three hours of running, jumping, cutting, getting tackled. Somebody rolls up on you. And a hit that you would just easily pop up, are you going to easily pop up in this game? So I certainly understand why anybody would be hesitant when it comes to the Chiefs because Mahomes is, to me, what makes him so special. It's not just his ability to be super athletic and maneuver from left to right inside the pocket. It's also if it's third and seven, third and eight, he has the ability to be one of the most dangerous players on the field because he can run for 15 yards. The joke in Kansas City is Mahomes' 40 time is basically whoever is chasing him. He's just going to run a little bit faster than that person. Like, I don't know if he can do that in today's game. So I I think we're going to get a really good feel for that by the middle of the first quarter. Travis Kelsey had 17 targets uh, last week, and then he showed up on the injury report with back spasms. Big deal, little deal, no deal. 
I think it's a no deal. It is, it is week 21 of the NFL season. Everybody could be on the injury report with something, you know. He was a full participant in practice every day this week. It's the AFC championship game. I don't have any doubts about Travis Kelsey heading into this. I mean, over the last five years, so during this five-year championship run, Travis Kelsey averages eight catches and 100 yards a game. So if Travis Kelsey is on the field, he is going to be a problem in this game. That's where if I'm Cincinnati, I'm trying to take Kelsey away because last week the Chiefs only really had two good offensive players. They had Travis Kelsey, who had the 17 targets. Isaiah Pacheco ran for 95 yards. No one else on their team had more than 40 yards from scrimmage. Who's going to be that third option for Kansas City today offensively? Because you know Cincinnati, they got five or six offensive guys who could have a good day. So I think the Chiefs are going to need one extra offensive player to emerge today. Do you have a guess at who it would be? I think it's going to be Jarek McKinnon. Jarek McKinnon had eight touchdowns the last six games of the season. They didn't really use him the last two now. Their last regular season game was a blowout. And in the game against Jacksonville, he didn't get a target at all. So I think Jarek McKinnon has probably somewhere between four to six targets. I wouldn't be surprised if he scored a touchdown today. All right, we're talking to Carrington Harrison. He hosts Afternoons uh, in Kansas City. We'll come back to this game at the end for some of the other, uh, we'll say, soft factors ar- around the game. But you host nationally. You cover the entire league. You're obsessed with the league like I am. What's your read on the NFC Championship game? I started the week with San Francisco. And you know how it is. You talk to more and more people out about this game, and they just put more and more doubts in my head about Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy has played one road game in his NFL career. So I'm not counting Las Vegas as a road game because that's basically everybody's home stadium but the Raiders. Playing at Seattle is not the same as playing at Philadelphia. I'm a little worried about San Francisco, and at some point you just think that, you know, he's going to face adversity that he hasn't faced at, at, at this point in his career. I got to pick Philadelphia in this game. I don't want to pick them. I like San Francisco, but I got to take the Eagles today. Yeah, it's 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 an ironclad argument. It, Philly Philly has home field advantage. They have the health advantage, and they have the quarterback advantage. It's it's an ironclad argument. However, I you can run on Philly. Philly has not seen a defense as good as San Francisco's. Now, you could say that San Francisco has not seen a defense as good as Philly's, and that would also be statistically accurate. But the Niners have the best front seven in football. The Eagles are the best rushing attack in football. But the Eagles are the 21st-ranked DVOA defense in the NFL, and I got this from Barnwell. They give up 5.9 yards per carry outside the tackles. Well, Kyle Shanahan is pretty good at getting Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel on the edge. It's what they do. It's their bread and butter. And if anything should travel, it's a running game. And I just think that there is a scenario in this game where the Niners receive the opening kickoff and run down the field with Brock Purdy having to just do, you know, minimal, short, type of conversions because he's playing in front of the sticks the entire time and they get up seven nothing and you won't take the Philly crowd out of the game but the Niners have a tendency in a way of playing the game to their style and I just think that 
Philly hasn't seen anything like San Francisco this year, and Philly's test last week against the Giants was certainly nothing like the Niners' test against the Cowboys. Now, you could say that that's more of an advantage for Philly because they were able to rest starters in the fourth quarter and they had a bye, so they're super rested. But Philly just hasn't been tested basically ever because the games they lost, Jalen Hurts wasn't there. So they really haven't been tested or punched in the mouth this year. So I just think San Francisco is an entirely different beast than anything Philadelphia has seen. I don't disagree with what you're saying. My fear with Brock Purdy is going to be to what you're talking about I mean, that's really been their game script for three months with Brock Purdy. I mean, that, that's been the game script. Every game has gone that way. Yep. We've never really seen a situation where it's third and eight and Brock Purdy has to make a play. You're not running off tackle to Elijah Mitchell. You need your quarterback to make a play. And you're going up against a team that has the most sacks in the league and a team that might have the best secondary in the National Football League. Like, go through the team that Brock Purdy has beaten it really it hasn't really been a whole lot of good. Even last week, I don't think that he was great, but he wasn't bad last week. But once Tony Pollard was out, that Cowboys offense with one good offensive skill position player was not scoring on San Francisco, so you didn't have to put up points. This might be a situation where San Francisco needs to score 24 points to win this game. They need to score seven to win this game. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that with that quarterback on the road. Yeah, I think that that's fair, man. I mean – Seattle is not good, and they're certainly not Philly, but he did go into halftime losing in his first playoff game, and then they came out and kicked their ass in the second half. And and listen, I know everybody at Pro Football Focus has pointed it out, and if you've been watching with your eyes, it's obviously true. He has no turnovers in the postseason, but he has turnover-worthy plays, right? He's thrown interceptable balls that just haven't been intercepted, and Philly picks them off. Right, like they, whether it's uh, Bradbury or Johnson at the safety or Slay, uh, you know they they've got, as you pointed out, the best secondary in the NFL, and they've got the best pass rush in the NFL by by miles and miles. So it's go- if it gets to like if the opposite of my game script game script plays out and Philly receives the opening kick and they drive down the field and score and then Brock Purdy goes three and out and then Philly drives down the field and score and all of a sudden it's 10 nothing or 14 nothing Philadelphia and the crowd is going crazy and Purdy has to throw them back into the game then I think it could be a bloodbath but if San Fr- as long as San Francisco doesn't allow it I think they've got a uh, a fighting chance in that spot so you're picking Philly and did you give me a pick for the AFC championship game Danny, really quickly, that game script that you're talking about, that was basically Sunday night football between the Cowboys and the Eagles. You remember everybody loved Cooper Rush. Remember when Cooper Rush, it was, well, hey, maybe he should be the starter. I never bought into that for the record. Yeah, you know what I mean? But then he went on the road, and that exact game script you're talking about completely swallowed Cooper Rush up. And I think a lot of people are sort of waiting for that that same moment with Brock Purdy to happen. I think Cincinnati's going to win, man. I think Cincinnati's just the better team out of these two. I just look at how Cincinnati has played the last two months of the season. I think they've been better than Kansas City. I think they have more offensive skill position players that I expect to play well in this game. I think they have the better defense, and their quarterback's 100%. I think it's another close game between these two teams. I just have to give Cincinnati the edge. Okay, so that is the guy who talks to Mahomes every week that hosted Kansas City, picking Cincinnati and Philadelphia here on Championship Sunday. I I said it to start the show. NFC Championship game, 
two best rosters in the NFL. AFC Championship game, everything else you could possibly want. Two best quarterbacks in the NFL. Recent history between the two. Some genuine dislike. Arrowhead Stadium, the best offensive coach of his generation. And some good old-fashioned trash talk. Burrowhead Stadium, uh, no one's, no, nothing impresses uh, Gay on the Chiefs about, about the uh, Bengals' offense. The mayor of Cincinnati is, like, being a real dweeb and talking about Pat Mahomes needed a paternity test. Do you enjoy the atmosphere surrounding this game? Because I very much do. Yeah, absolutely. I, from just reading Chiefs fans' tweets and following it very closely – I don't know if there's a game I've seen that Chiefs fans want to win more because of everything that you're talking about. Like, Cincinnati is acting like they're the 08 Celtics without the championship. Like, it's just very odd for them. Like, they're talking like they're the, you know, Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the early 2000s. I'm like, you you guys went to one Super Bowl. Now, congratulations. Going to the Super Bowl is a very difficult thing. You lost, but you went to the Super Bowl. This whole energy from Cincinnati, whether it's their players or their fan base, like, Eli Apple's never even made the Pro Bowl before. Everybody makes the Pro Bowl. Like, why is Eli Apple this villain that just does all of this talking? It's just very odd from Cincinnati. And I think all of that over the culmination of the last couple of days, you know how you know how any fan base is. Every fan base feels like they're being disrespected. People are counting them out. Nobody thinks Mahomes is going to be healthy. I think Chiefs fans have really rallied this week in a way that I've never seen before against another team. Wow. Okay. Well, so then how do you think they'll handle it if they lose? Crushing. Heartbreaking. <laughs> I mean, this, this, like this, I, I don't want to say that it'll be on the Chiefs, like Mount Rushmore playoff losses because the AFC championship game, but just, I think that, you know, every fan base kind of has a tendency, you know, like you make fun of me for being a Missouri fan. We are just natural pessimists. What can go wrong will go wrong with Missouri. Like part of a Chiefs fan's identity over the last four years has been, you've been able to claim superiority over every other team in the league. Like, you can mock the entire AFC West. Every rival that they've told you can face Mahomes, you've beaten. At one point, we were trying to make Mahomes versus Baker Mayfield a thing, Mahomes versus Lamar Jackson a thing. There's only one team that you can't do that to. It's Cincinnati. And for a game that Kansas Cityans now call the Arrowhead Invitational, for Joe, for Joe Burrow to come in there two consecutive years and ruin the party and stop you from going to the Super Bowl – this would be high up there in terms of Kansas City disappointment. Yeah, I know. It's a great point. Hey, uh, just out of curiosity, did you talk any about Zach Taylor, the Bengals head coach on your show this week? Uh, we actually talked about it more last week when they just kept clamoring about the, the neutral site, which was just odd to me. Like, Buffalo and Cincinnati played the same number of games, and Cincinnati had a worse record. If you have a worse record than the other team, then you go on the road in the playoffs. We have done that since the beginning of time. Like, why Cincinnati was complaining so much about it was just odd to me. But I get that, you know, you're a coach. you got to motivate people, and you got to whatever, – whatever it takes to get your team to play their best. But we didn't talk a whole lot of Zach Taylor this week. Well, the reason I, the reason I ask is fairly anonymous. Like, it's, it's, it's kind of amazing that the guy who is the head coach of the Bengals, who's 39 years old – who's on the Sean McVay tree that everybody wants to hire off of, that 
keeps winning road playoff games, and not that you know Joe Burrow was much of a question mark as a prospect, but certainly has. We've seen number one picks who are great prospects have uh, rough starts to their career. We just saw it with Trevor Lawrence, and he needed Doug Peterson uh, to come in. He certainly hasn't messed up with Joe Burrow and has maximized him. Like if he wins this game and he's won in Buffalo and he's won in Kansas City and then he won in Kansas City again and he's been to two Super Bowls before the age of forty, like. Normally, we talk about that head coach. I feel like no one talks about Zach Taylor. I think that's a really good point. The thing we did talk about now that I'm trying to remember the shows over the course of the week is I don't think that Cincinnati gets nearly enough credit for being as good in the second half. Like, to kind of further your point, he might be the best coach in the league in terms of making adjustments. Like, in the three games against Kansas City, first game, second half, 17 to 3 advantage for Cincinnati, second game, 17-3 17-3 advantage for Cincinnati in the second half and overtime. Earlier this season, 10-0 in the fourth quarter. Like, Cincinnati has that has the ability to, hey, after the first 30 minutes, we've seen what we've done well, we've seen what we haven't done well, we're going to adjust on the fly. Like, Zach Taylor, I think, has just been a really, really strong coach. I think last year there was this whole kind of fluke aura around Cincinnati that people just didn't want to identify that that were good. Like, it kind of took them going to the Super Bowl for people to wake up and just be like, hey, maybe they're good. Well, yeah, have you been paying attention? Like, they've been good for the last three months. I kind of feel like that happened at least early in the season because, remember, they got off to that slow start the first two weeks. People were like, see, I told you about Cincinnati, and now they've gone on this run. This might be that game that gets them the credit. He has two Super Bowl appearances in his first, what, four years as a head coach. It's going to be pretty undeniable to not have Zach Taylor in your top five. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's just kind of, first year they were the worst team in the NFL, he got the rights to Joe Burrow, then he started a rookie quarterback, and now been to a Super Bowl, been to another AFC title, the guy's 5-1 and one in playoff games, with a bunch of road playoff wins, like, no, normally we talk about those head coaches. Carrington, I know you're hosting nationally on Mad Dog uh, later on today, he does afternoons in Kansas City, and uh, maybe we'll do it again in two weeks if the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. Thank you, sir. Absolutely, man, I appreciate you, Dan. Thank you. That's Carrington Harrison in Kansas City. It's the Parkins Playoff Show with you for another 40 minutes. We have an injury update on Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. We will hear that on the other side. It's Parkins Playoff Show on the score. We're back live with more of the Parkins Playoff Show with your host, Danny Parkins, live on the Odyssey app and 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. He does a great job. You know, I, I played against him many times in my career, creative keeps you off balance the players you can tell believe in the scheme and and they do a great job bringing it to life you know so they're put in good positions that that make things difficult for you and and so again he's he's a big reason why they they continue to be in this position they got a great defense they got good players but they utilize them the right way as well you probably don't know who that is but it underscores the point that uh, we were talking about the end of the last segment i certainly don't recognize him by voice either but that is the head coach of the cincinnati Bengals, zach taylor it's the Parkins Playoff Show until 10 a.m. Then Nick Costos and Lockie Lockerson have the best gambling show that you could possibly want. All the news, nuggets, and information ahead of Championship Sunday. It's You Better You Bet's countdown to kickoff Championship Sunday edition coming up at 10 a.m. And, of course, the score is your home for all things Championship Sunday. Eagles and Niners, Chiefs and Bengals right here on the score. And the free Odyssey app, by the way. Coverage starts at 1 o'clock Central today. So, it's very cold in Kansas City. Here's James Palmer of the NFL Network giving an injury report outside the stadium in the cold. 
Well, thank you, Mike. I've been here in Kansas City this entire week watching each and every practice for Patrick Mahomes with that right high ankle sprain. I've been told by multiple sources it progressed through the week better than they expected, but they obviously expect him also not to be 100% for this game. His number one target, Travis Kelsey, questionable for this game with a back issue. I'm told it was back spasms Thursday and Friday. Saturday's walkthrough went well. He is expected to play. Man. The uh, back spasms would make me nervous. Maybe they'll uh, give him a little tour at all as well for for Kelsey. But if they don't have Kelsey, they have no shot. They just they have they have absolutely no chance. Um, but I always say that I'm always biased towards the bad back situation as being more serious than it is because it's something that while not anywhere near one percent of one percent of being a professional athlete, solely can relate to the bad back uh, situation. But very cold, one degree in Kansas City right now. Both will play. We'll see how they end up playing over the course of the game. I uh, I really do hope that we don't have to asterisk. Like, not that it would actually like be an official asterisk. You know what I'm talking about, though. But like the idea that if the Bengals win and Mahomes is less than, or we see Chad Henney in this game just feel like we deserve to see these two teams battle it out because it's just so good for football. The state of quarterbacking in the NFL right now, it's so AFC lopsided, but having Mahomes and Burrow and Allen and Herbert and Lawrence and Lamar and Deshaun all in the AFC is insane. And I know all of those guys are not the same, right? There's a huge difference between what Trevor Lawrence has accomplished and what Pat Mahomes has accomplished, obviously. But that's seven fan bases in the AFC that could reasonably talk themselves into having their quarterback for the next decade. That's a crazy number. In the NFC, Philly feels that way. We think we feel that way here in Chicago. Dallas would probably take the under on a decade for Dak, who's in his late 20s. Goff is 28 in Detroit. There's just not that level of quarterback power in the NFC. Speaking of the NFC, what I did want to talk about, I touched on this on Friday's show when I was solo on the Parkinson Spiegel show when Jason Goff was in studio, but... We were, him and I were having a blast and bouncing around to a bunch of different things, so I didn't like fully hammer home this point. The Bears are in the NFC, but it honestly feels like if they're going to be playing on Championship Sunday any time in the next couple of years, they have a better chance of doing it like the Bengals and the Chiefs do it than like the Niners or the Eagles do it and I'll explain and by the way that's not likely either to do it like the Bengals and the Chiefs do it because the Bengals and Chiefs do it with the top two quarterbacks in the NFL and then good rosters but not great rosters like the Chiefs are a top heavy roster and that is partly because they pay their quarterback 50 million dollars but their quarterback is worth 
$150 million, and they lose Tyreek Hill, and he throws for 5,200 yards and 40-plus touchdowns and is going to be the runaway winner for NFL MVP. So, like, Pat Mahomes' contract isn't a problem, but you can't build as much depth when you're paying your quarterback that much money, right? Like, Joe Thune's one of the best guards in the NFL. He's also one of the most expensive guards in the NFL. Chris Jones is one of the best defensive linemen in the NFL. He's also one of the most expensive defensive linemen in the NFL. Travis Kelsey, the best tight end in the NFL, one of the most expensive tight end in the NFL. Like, the Chiefs don't have bad contracts, and they pay, you know, Tooney as a guard is not necessarily as premium of a position, but if you watch that Super Bowl against San Francisco, you know that they needed to upgrade that offensive line to protect the franchise and Pat Mahomes. But, like, the Chiefs roster is very top-heavy in terms of where their talent is, but they've got best coach and best quarterback, and that allows them to overcome it. Cincy, their best players are largely on rookie deals. But it still is a pretty top-heavy roster in terms of you wouldn't say they've got one of the best rosters in the NFL. Maybe a top-10 roster, but not a top-3 roster. But if they've got the second-best quarterback and a top-3 receiver and the best number-two receiver in the NFL and two good running backs, all of a sudden you start looking around and you're like, wow. And, And by the way, Chase and Higgins and Burrow are all cheap. You then can build out with very solid veterans at other places and that's how you do it but so my point is those are top heavy talent rosters with superstar quarterbacks the nfc is not that while Hertz is playing like a superstar quarterback he's got three great linebacker uh, three great linemen including two all pros and a pro bowler Mylotta and Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey Right, best center, best right tackle, and a Pro Bowl left tackle. Pretty damn incredible. He's got two very good num- uh, receivers. A.J. Brown, who they traded a first-round pick for and gave $100 million to. Devontae Smith, who they used the first-round pick on. Then you've got Gardner Johnson as a safety, Bradbury at corner, Slay at corner, best secondary in the NFL. you got Hassan Reddick with 17 sacks this year as a pass rusher. They don't have a lot of, like, run stuffers on the D-line. But they, they have a crazy amount of talent. And that's not mentioning Miles Sanders. That's not mentioning Fletcher Cox. That's not mentioning Dallas Goddard. Like, they have a crazy deep roster. San Francisco, well, obviously we've talked a lot about Brock Purdy and what he is or is not. The only reason it works is because, again, Superstar coach, but best running back in the NFL, Christian McCaffrey. Best defensive player in football, Nick Bosa. He'll win defensive player of the year. Best left tackle in football, Trent Williams. Top five tight end, George Kittle. Top gadget player, Debo Samuel. All pro safety in Hufanga, second team. Best linebacker, Fred Warner. Pro Bowl caliber linebacker in Greenlaw. That's eight dudes. That's not mentioning Arik Armstead. That's not mentioning Javon Kinlaw. That's not mentioning Brandon Ayuk. That's not mentioning uh, Ward, the corner. Like they, they have a crazy deep roster. Not mentioning uh, McGlinchey, the tackle, who's a free agent, by the way. 
name you'll think about. A couple of guys this week that if you want to just scout it through the Bears prism, Orlando Brown Jr. tackle for the Niners, uh, Mike McGlinchey tackle for the uh, Niners. Don't know if either will get the franchise tag. I tend to think not for Orlando Brown Jr. Uh, probably would think not for McGlinchey as well, but maybe a contract extension a little bit more likely there because, again, they're not spending as much money on the quarterback position, and they're not going to be spending money on quarterback anytime soon. The Eagles are going to be budgeting for a Jalen Hurts contract. But the Bears just don't have that kind of roster depth. So, like, they've got the draft capital. So if Poles is good, he can maybe add a couple guys that can get into that conversation. And he's got the free agent, you know, salary cap money that if some good players actually hit free agency, he could sign a couple of dudes that would become foundational pieces. Like, all of these dudes are not drafted and developed by Philly and San Francisco, right? Like, the Niners traded for uh, McCaffrey. They signed Trent Williams. The Eagles traded for A.J. Brown. They signed Darius Slay. Like, they, you don't build these teams entirely through the draft, but they have legitimately 8 to 12 upper echelon to elite players mostly at premium positions the only players at premium positions that you could argue the bears have that have a chance to be upper echelon the list is two i mean maybe three justin fields Cole Komet, Jalen Johnson. Maybe you love Kyler Gordon or Jaquan Brisker. We'll see. Jaquan Brisker is a long way away from being Hufanga on San Francisco. It's tough to be an impact player as a box safety. You can do it, but you've got to be Troy Polamalu special. It's very difficult in the modern NFL where a lot of the physicality is taken out of the game. Not a lot of Bob Sanders types anymore in football so the gap of roster depth from the bears to the nfc teams is it's an ocean it's so so vast that the bears best chance to competitiveness is to surround fields with talent have fields take the leap and then compared to the rest of the NFC, there's a real chance that Justin Fields could be the best quarterback in the NFC. Not necessarily by next year, but Hurts is good, but I personally think, and we saw the two teams play this year, that Hurts is good, and he's got all the intangibles and the leadership, and his accuracy has greatly improved. But I believe that he, if he was on the Bears and Fields was on the Eagles, I think that the Eagles would be in a very similar position and the Bears would be marginally improved, if, if at all. And Hertz is a year ahead of Fields in terms of the development. Like, I think Fields is more purely talented than Jalen Hurts is. He's certainly more purely talented than Dak Prescott is. And then where do you go for the third best quarterback in the NFC? Jared Goff and old Matt Stafford and about to get $35 million per year. Daniel Jones, I'm cool with that. Like, I'll take my chances on Fields getting help 
and running his way through the NFC on sheer quarterback talent more than I will Ryan Poles adding eight to ten premium players in the next two offseasons and building out a roster as deep as the Niners and the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll put a point on it, put some picks on the board, pass you off to Costos and Lockie Lockerson. It's Parkins Playoff Show, Championship Sunday edition on the score. We're back live with more of the Parkins Playoff Show with your host, Danny Parkins, live on the Odyssey app and 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. We know we know it's going to be loud, uh, you know, uh, but no stadium is as loud as ours. But at the end of the day, you know, they're at home, NFC Championship, they're going to be all riled up and, you know, it don't, it don't really too much. We don't really too, too much feed into all that. You know, we put the pads on and just go to work. That's Debo Samuel on playing at the link in Philadelphia. Two awesome home field advantages. I've been to both stadiums. I was at Eagles game for T.O.'s first game back in Philly. That was one of the uh, most hostile pro sports environments as I've ever been in. And obviously I've been to Arrowhead many times, having lived there for six years. But I was even there before uh, I lived and worked there because my mom's family's from there. So I went to some games there as a kid. It's uh, probably my favorite pro sports stadium, um, certainly pro football stadium. It's just an absolutely iconic venue for a big game. And I love that uh, our guest about 45 minutes ago said that Chiefs fans are getting arrogant and they're calling it the Arrowhead Invitational. That's their name now for the AFC championship game. So I think it's going to be an absolutely fantastic day of games. I can't wait to uh, be checking it out. I'll actually probably be listening to the very beginning of the Chiefs game right here on the score, coming back from uh, Shane Reardon's place. I'm going there for the NFC title game. Then going to watch the Chiefs and Bengals game with my wife, uh, who is a Chiefs fan uh, here because she was born and raised in the Lawrence area. So we'll be watching the AFC title game here, and I'll watch the uh, NFC title game with some of the guys from the uh, Parkinson Spiegel show. Texter says, hey, why are you talking about the Bears, Danny? It's Championship Sunday. You're ruining it. LOL. That's a good point. Bears are a long ways away, but I can already prep you for what some of the reaction is going to be um, on the other side of this game because it's going to get to some silly season stuff with that AFC title game. I don't know how you could watch Burrow and watch Mahomes and see some of the spectacular things that Mahomes does and see that he had 800 more passing yards and I think it was seven more touchdowns this year than Burrow when he lost Tyree Kill win his second MVP when he's already got a ring on his finger and think that Burrow's better than Mahomes. But really good, really respected analysts like Dan Orlovsky were making that exact point this week. Joe Burrow's the best quarterback in football. Mm. Okay. Now, let me be very clear with what I'm saying, okay? Chiefs fans. Patrick Mahomes, best player. He's the most talented player in the NFL, and he's the most dynamic weapon. Joe Burrow's the best quarterback in football. When it comes to quarterbacking, when it comes to understanding play calls, when it comes to understanding what you have to do with the football, when it comes to understanding what the defense is, when it comes to understanding pocket manipulation, when it comes to timing and rhythm and accuracy and ball play, uh, Joe Burrow's the best. Mm -hmm. He's the standard right now. The the consistency with what Joe does, and the way I'll say it is this, the fascinating part is all the stuff that Patrick, Josh Allen, Lamar, Jalen Hurts do, Guys, you can't do that stuff. That, they're outliers when it comes to so much of their stuff. All the stuff that Joe does, you can, but he's the only one who does. Mm. <laughs> That's the thing that fascinates me about Joe Burrow. That's Dan Orlovsky on ESPN. Here's my issue with it. 
Mahomes is the best player, but Burrow is the best quarterback. What position does Mahomes play? Quarterback. So what are we doing here? <laughs> like, I, <laughs> exactly. Like, like I, I don't, I don't. <laughs> what, what are we doing? Like, I, I, Wani even said he's like, I think Burrow's a better pocket passer than Mahomes. Okay, uh, maybe. Mahomes is a great pocket passer. I, the guy threw for 5,200 yards this year. It wasn't all from outside the pocket. Like, we've seen this guy. Him and Breeze are the only guys with multiple 5,000-yard seasons. He's got two MVPs. He's one of three guys with a 5,000-yard, 50-touchdown season. He's not, he's not doing it all from outside the pocket. Like, the, this is a very silly narrative that, that is building here. Like, Justin Fields is a better runner than Pat Mahomes. Does that make him a better uh, dual-threat quarterback? Well, no, because the passing part of his game is so much worse than Mahomes' is, and, and passing matters so much more that it would be ridiculous uh, to say that. He's a better running quarterback than Pat Mahomes, but that's just one element of all of these guys' games. So if like being a better pocket passer all of, somehow makes you a better quarterback, I just I don't get it. And Peter Schrager was saying the same thing on NFL Network. We don't even have to play the clip because there's a story that just broke that I want to get to. But, like, he was talking about He's like, well, how am I going to say that Mahomes is better if Burrow goes 4-0 against him? I'm like, I don't know because it's a team game. And Mahomes in this one has a high ankle sprain. And Mahomes has a ring and two MVPs. Seems fairly cut and dry to me. But – People are twisting themselves into knots. So anyway, I'm rooting for Niners and Chiefs, but I understand the argument on Eagles. I do think the Niners are actually going to surprise some people in that game, and uh, I'm so worried about the Mahomes injury that I think it's going to go against my two rooting interests today. I think it's going to be Eagles and Bengals, but I'm pulling for Niners and Chiefs uh, for the Super Bowl. But Adam Schefter is reporting, an off-season trade of Aaron Rodgers remains an option for the Green Bay Packers for a variety of reasons, league sources told ESPN. A scenario that once seemed unthinkable. A Rodgers trade could be driven by financial reasons, the state of the Packers franchise, and ultimately the feelings of both the team and the star quarterback. League sources are convinced that the franchise prefers to move on from Rodgers, just as it once did Brett Favre. Those sources also believe that Rodgers is well aware of the Packers' feeling of the situation. Oh boy. It's a tough contract to trade. I don't think Nathaniel Hackett would be a deciding factor in going to the Jets and the Dolphins are a good roster and the Bills are a good roster and he would be staying in the cold, which I wouldn't think you would want to do for a dude who's going on 40. But Sauce Gardner and Williams, the defensive lineman, and Garrett Wilson, the receiver, all on rookie deals. Brees Hall on a rookie deal. They could absorb the contract, and they got a real talented roster there that could convince themselves that they are a quarterback away. Uh, I don't think Vegas makes a ton of sense. I know he would be reuniting with Devontae Adams, but I don't think you want to go through Herbert and Mahomes uh, just to make the playoffs. So I – I don't think Vegas is as an attractive of a destination for these quarterbacks as so many people are are making it out to be. But I can tell you this too: doesn't it feel like if the Packers trade Mahomes or uh, if the Packers trade Rodgers, he's going to somehow end up on the Bears' schedule again? Like I won't believe that that dude's done 
owning the Bears and beating the Bears until he's in Canton. Like, he could retire, and I'll still be worried that he's going to come out of retirement to play a game for a team that's on the Bears' schedule. So I am not not at all (laughs) celebrating this move. I will believe that he is done beating the Bears when he is finally officially in the Pro Football Hall of Fame because of his dominance there. But that is a that is quite a report from Adam Schefter on Championship Sunday that uh, league sources are convinced the franchise prefers to move on from Rodgers just as it once did from Brett Favre. I get it. You're $16 million over the cap. You've got to pay Aaron Jones a ton of money. Uh, some of the top, some of the free agents on the team are the guys that Rodgers is closest with, like Randall Cobb and Mason Crosby. Those are his guys, so it could get even more uncomfortable. He's mercurial. I just don't believe that he was, he was a problem. I don't think he was close to the biggest problem with the Packers this past year. I don't think you go from being an MVP and an MVP to falling off the face of the earth, and the arm talent still looked like it was there. Uh, so I think if he had his Devontae Adams, number one dude, he'd be there, and I think that uh, Dobbs, but more so Watson, by the end of the year had really come on strong in that spot. So that is uh, quite a story from Schefter on Championship Sunday. want to thank our guests, Ben Heisler and Carrington Harrison. Thank you to Sean Sears back in the studio. I'll be back 8 to 10 a.m. Super Bowl Sunday morning. Nick Costos and Ken Barkley, a.k.a. Lockie Lockerson, have the best gambling show you could ever want and preview for Championship Sunday with You Better You Bet's countdown to kickoff. And then don't remember, coverage of Championship Sunday in Westwood 1. You can hear both games here on The Score starting at 1 o'clock. Thanks for hanging out on a Sunday morning. I'm Danny Parkins. I'll talk to you tomorrow at 2 on Parkins Speedway. And you can always subscribe to my NFL podcast, First and Pod. Have a good day. Enjoy the games. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.